Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store. Just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the word of God. Share button because we are officially live on Facebook to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as we are friends with on Facebook. Um, And so all it takes is a 10 second click to share and you reach your, I don't know, you guys are really popular, thousands of friends, a person. Um, And so cumulatively in this room, uh, on average 13 people share the sermon. And that means if you each just have 100 friends, that's 1,300 people. But I'm assuming y'all are more popular, so you have hundreds of friends, which means there are thousands of people that you know and that you love and that maybe you're moderately connected with because that's how Facebook works sometimes, right? But God works in mysterious ways, even through Facebook, and we can share the gospel with those people this morning. And so all you have to do is click to share, um, and that will uh, be them uh, be available on their Facebook feed this morning. So if you're joining us on Facebook, we're really glad you are here with us this morning. We have um, Craig White. You all know Craig White. He lives in Metlakatla. He's a uh, uh, volunteer pastor here on staff, and he serves over in Metlakatla. And he comes. He had a boatload of nine people, teenagers, to bring over today. But the winds were too high, and he couldn't bring his boat across. I know, right? And there's no ferry until February. Um, and so they are stuck in Metlakatla today. They were not able to join us, but they were going to have church in their home this morning. So they're either going to be tuning in or they're going to be joining together with Craig leading them in whatever the Lord lays on his heart. But we are one church, no matter where we are located. This is just an avenue by which people can hear the gospel. So we are thankful for technology being used for the glory of God. This morning, we are continuing our series in Acts. It is uh, simply the Acts of the Apostles, but we learned last week that perhaps a better name for this book might be the Acts of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit uh, as he builds his church. And so uh, we are studying what the book of Acts has to tell us. Now, um, if you will find the book of Acts in your Bible, we are going to go there in just a few minutes. We are going to be in Acts chapter 2, pretty much all of it, so find Acts chapter 2, stick your finger there or bookmark there. It is the fifth book in the New Testament, so if you count Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there you are in Acts right there. Um, And if you do not have a Bible this morning, we would love for you to take a Bible from under the seat in front of you, behind you, next to you, and uh, and take that, mark it up, uh, color in it, underline it, whatever the Lord impresses on your heart, make notes in that Bible, then take it home with you today. And use that uh, to study the Word of God because we want every home, every family, every person to have the Word of God available to them. So consider that our gift to you today if you do not have a Bible. But before we dive in um, to Acts chapter 2, um, can, um, can, Corey, can you flip all the lights off? I think it works better with all the lights. Maybe even the middle, this, these ones, the ones directly behind your head. Yeah, okay, so, okay. Can you see the image that's hidden in this? I'm going to give you a few minutes to cross your eyes, uncross your eyes, just shake your face a little bit. It's hard, isn't it? It's a magic eye picture. I'm going to do this too, okay? I'm going to fall over and cross my eyes. Anybody get it? 
Nope, not faces. What'd you say? Nope, close. Pillars. Who got that? Yeah, there you go. Pillars. Okay, you can flip the lights back on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when I was a kid, I got a book for Christmas of these magic eye things. Like the, no wonder I'm wearing glasses today, right? Because I spent hours flipping through this magic eye book. To, I'm sorry, your eyes are watering and crossing. Uh, people are taking their glasses off and rubbing their face. I'm sorry. Um, welcome to church. Uh, and, uh, and, and I spent hours looking at this magic eye book, page after page of just psychedelic looking swirls and weird. And then they told me that there was a 3D image hidden in these swirls, right? And it probably took me like a week at staring at these images to try and train my eyes to see beyond what is right in front of them and to look at something that is hidden but there, right? And so once I got the hang of it, once I trained my eyes to see beyond the image directly in front of me, I'd get them real quick. There was a point in time when you'd put an image in front of me like, yep, got it. Yep, got it. Yep, got it. And it was really cool because in this one, there's just um, a column here and a column here and a column here and a column here. It's nothing fancy, just vertical columns. But if you can train your eyes to see beyond what is in front of them and you see those 3D, suddenly it's like, whoa, now you can't not see it. Once you can see it, you can see it. Now, for those of you that can't see it this morning, I'm so sorry. I, I found that it is far more difficult on the large screen this morning than it is on a smaller image. And so um, I have a smaller copy available. Uh, if after church is over, you want to be like, okay, I'm going to look at this on the small page. I'll have it available for you. Um, and, and for those of you on Facebook, yeah, just Google magic eye picture and you'll be fine. Um, and, uh, and so you'll get, you'll get a good one. Uh, there's one with a unicorn hidden on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so there's all kinds of images. Here's the thing. Um, there's a problem of seeing an image but not seeing the full picture. Um, of seeing a partial but not the whole. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a story and then the other story involved in it. So we want to see the whole picture today. Um, and hopefully once you see it, you won't be able to unsee it. Um, and uh, that is what Acts chapter 2 is going to show us this morning. So if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 36. And I'll have you stand for the reading of the word. Uh, we're going to read several of the chunks of Acts chapter 2 today, but this is the one as we're starting. Uh, we will stand for the reading of this portion. Lord, we give you glory and honor for who you are and for what you've done among us and in our lives to bring us here to this moment to hear from you your word. We ask that as we read the words on these pages that they would become holy to us. They wouldn't just be words printed that we bought on Amazon or Walmart or uh, at our local bookstore. But Lord, these would be your words to us, alive and active, to pierce into our lives and change the way we see things. Lord, give us your eyes this morning. Give us your Holy Spirit this morning. And we pray that it would be a miraculous morning where we become more like you, simply by being in your presence. We give you all the glory and honor for that. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and open this window. It's warm up in here today. There we go. 
All right, you all have a seat. You don't need to stand while I open the window. That's weird. Um, all right, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, going to verse 36. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered together in one place, kind of like we are right now. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like, like a mighty white rushing wind, and it, it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, like fire, appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, at the time, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Aren't these people who are speaking just Galileans? How is it that we, each of us, hear in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we all hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed. And they were saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking them and said, oh, they're just filled with wine. They're drunk. But Peter, standing up among the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, saying, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These men, they're not drunk like you suppose they are. It's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon the flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it will come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said concerning Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me. For he's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. And my flesh will also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. And you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. That he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of Christ, 
that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised him up, and of that we are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not descend, ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's quite a sermon, isn't it? Like the first sermon of the first church meeting ever. It is just phenomenal. You could study that sermon for years and find goodness and hope and amazingness in that sermon. Now let me retell this for you a little bit. Uh, Jesus is dead in this moment in time. Okay, According to all of the people's knowledge, Jesus was died, was died, was dead, was killed, right? Okay, there we go. Okay. He was done dead, okay? And, um, and they buried him, right? And that's what people thought. For the most part, the majority of the people in the greater known world believed that Jesus died, was buried, and that was it. But there were a handful of people that said, oh, you know... He told us that he would not die. He told us that he would come back. We have seen that. He told us to go wait in this room. So there were about 120 of them that were waiting in this room. But 120 people is a very small number compared to the number of multitudes that followed Christ and his ministry while he was on earth. So for the most part, the majority of people on earth who followed Christ all through the Gospels as you read, the multitudes that listened to him, the thousands upon thousands of people that were fed from the feeding of the 5,000, which is like the feeding of the 15 or 20,000 if you include the women and the children, all of those people, well, Jesus is dead. I guess we'll just go back to life as normal. We'll go back to our trade routes. We'll go back to our families. Um, we'll go back to our plows and we'll go back to our regular, normal Life is how it has been normal, right? Life goes back to normal for the majority of humans, except these 120. These 120 were disciples, and they went to wait. They were waiting for an unspecified period of time. Jesus said, just go and be in the upper room, and I will send you the Holy Spirit. But they didn't know when. They didn't know if it was going to be waiting one day. It was going to be waiting one hour. It was going to be waiting six months. They just knew to go and wait. So we've got 120 people waiting for an unspecified period of time. We've got the majority of the world that has gone back to normal. Well, that was a blip on my life's radar, and now I'm just going to go back to the routine. I had some great experiences with this guy named Jesus, but, well, they killed him and, you know, back to normal. Many of the followers scattered, right, to all over where they had come from. They went back to life. Rome is calm once again because they had put to death the guy who was trying to overthrow them. Rome is calm and that revolution is over. Life went back to normal. And as I, as I read that, I go, man, sometimes I wonder if that's not our life. Sometimes I wonder if we haven't just gone back to normal. Um, one of the things in this passage, verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, 
devout men from every nation under heaven, right? So I'm going to confess something that you're going to know your pastor's not that smart, okay? Um, I've read this passage I don't know how many times in my life. And you know how when you read it and you read it and you read it and all you see is that? But then suddenly you read it and something's like, bam! Oh my gosh, why didn't I notice that before? And I did notice it, but it's not like it was oh, right there in front of me. So I've read through this passage before and all of Acts chapter 2, which talks about the 3,000 being saved. And I've always thought, how great is it? What a great evangelistic sermon that Peter preaches. And all of these people who didn't know Jesus came to know Jesus. And all of these unsaved got saved, right? And 3,000 people were added to their number. And then, and then I read this verse. Now that we're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And I realized Peter's not preaching to the unsaved. Peter's preaching to the, the equivalent of the church-going people. He's preaching to the people that feared God. He's preaching to the people that loved the Lord, Yahweh, the, the, the devout Jews who honored God by traveling to the temple and worshiping. He's preaching to the people that we would call church people. And some little light bulb went off in my head and I thought, He's preaching to church people. He's preaching to me. I'm a church people, right? So when I read this sermon and I go, man, he's, the Holy Spirit filled Peter. Peter stood up and spoke to the, he wasn't the church yet because they needed Jesus, but right? The devout people of God who needed something more in their life who needed something more than normal, who needed to go one step beyond in their faith with God than what they were currently experiencing. And that's why I kind of think it might be our story, right? Like these people that had seen all of the stuff that Jesus had done, these people that had heard all of the things and the miracles and they'd walked with him and they'd seen him from afar and they'd seen the guy who was healed at the temple gates and they'd seen the blind guy get eyes and they'd heard these miraculous things and they thought, this is amazing, this is cool, this is great, but then he's dead, life goes back to normal. And I wonder if that's not our life sometimes. If we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really honest about our faith, um, we might be living this story. We want to imagine, at least I do, that I'm Peter in this story, right? I want to imagine that I'm the guy that stands up with boldness and preaches the gospel when the Holy Spirit fills me. But the reality is, if I'm honest, I'm probably more like those devout Jews from all over that have gathered together in one place for a specific reason than they did that in Jerusalem. Um, and I'm the one that needs to receive something, right? So if I'm honest with myself, um, I'm probably more like these scattered people that have come together for a period of time. I I've met Jesus. I've heard Jesus. I've loved his message. I, I understood that his death was in my place for my sins. Um, but then after a while, life just goes back to normal. Does anybody resonate with that? Right? So like we gather and then we scatter, and then there's laundry and grocery shopping. The kids got to go to school. You know, the car breaks down. Finances are tight. Like the job, the boss is on your back. There's a strife in your marriage. You know, your, uh, your grown kid has walked away from what you've taught them. All these things, all this life. And so you get in the normal. 
You just do what you do to survive day in and day out, and you love God, and you're devout, and you come every week, but there's just, there's just something not there because life is normal. The spark isn't there, right? But then, on a day like today, we come together, we gather, we're drawn in from all of our scattered normals, right? So we've come from north of town and south of town. We've come from the middle of town, right? Some of us have tried to come from boats, <laughs> right? Right? We are scattered living our normal lives. And then the Holy Spirit draws us together to this one place, this unique place. You weren't drawn over to, you didn't get in your car and wander through town going, wow, I feel like I should be somewhere today. Not sure where, what time. You didn't. Maybe some of you accidentally stumbled into this place this morning, and that's phenomenal. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. But for the most part, part of our normal is coming here, right? This is what we do on a Sunday. We're devout. We come. This is what we do. Right? But there's more to just coming here. We gather together. We're no longer scattered. We're together. The Lord has drawn us. Dwelling in Ketchikan, there were devout people from all walks of life. And they were gathered together as a multitude. I think this is our story. That we live a scattered life. But that the Lord draws us together for a holy purpose. And it happens to be today. Dare I say in a prophetic voice, today is the day that God has brought you here for a reason. Right? God brought them there for a reason. God brought you here for a reason this morning. The Holy Spirit tends to interrupt the normal. The Holy Spirit tends to inject himself into the status quo and blow that mold. The Holy Spirit says, normal can't contain me. I'm going to mess with all of that. Right? The Holy Spirit drew you here today to mess with you. And that's the best thing that could ever happen to your life. I want to read to you uh, the continuation of this, starting in verse 37. Peter has just finished his sermon. Right? And the last thing that he has said is, listen, you crucified Jesus. I want you to sit with that for just a moment. Understand what he is saying to those people. Right? They might have not actually nailed the nails, right? But their attitudes towards Christ, their willingness to rise up and yell, crucify him in that passage, he's saying, listen, you've got to own this. Your sin, your life, the way that you do normal, you've crucified him. That's a heavy, I mean, how would you like it if you came to my office and you're like, I need some advice, pastor. And I said, you want to know what? You crucified Jesus. How's that sit with you? Not great, right? It makes you feel uncomfortable. It made them feel uncomfortable, right? Because it was interrupting their normal. It was interrupting the way that they did life and the way that they thought about their interactions with God and the way that they thought they could be right with God, which was through law. And yet Jesus came to interrupt all of that. And now they respond. And this is uh, 37 through 41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, Save yourselves from this crooked normal way of life. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Um, right? Normal. Blurry picture, right? Swirls and psychedelic color. Bear with me. Jesus is dead. Life goes back to normal. Disciples were waiting for that unspecified period of time. The followers had scattered, and Rome is calm, and the revolution is over. That's the normal. That's the story that people were living in. But the Holy Spirit interrupted normal and wants you to embrace, wanted them to embrace a counter story, one that is not flat, but one that is three-dimensional, one that is all-encompassing and amazing. And when you see it, you can't unsee it because Jesus isn't dead. He's alive and active. Poof, right? Life does not go back to normal because Jesus interrupts normal. The disciples waited for that unspecified period of time, but the wait ended and the Holy Spirit came and changed the way that they looked at things. And the followers that had scattered it says in scripture, we're gathered together in Jerusalem from all languages and all nations and all tribes and all walks of life. He wasn't just interrupting normal for a few select people, smart people that had graduated Torah school, understood the law, and knew how life was supposed to be. He was interrupting normal for everybody who could hear that morning. And the reality is, Rome might have been calm at that moment, but the revolution wasn't over. It was just a completely different revolution than they thought it was going to be. And it was just beginning. When the Holy Spirit interrupted humanity's status quo, people were faced with a choice. Now that I know that the normal I have been living is not the normal God would have me live, I can't go back. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this knowledge, they said. And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It continues. After they had been baptized, it says, and they devoted themselves, 3,120 some odd folks, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers and awe came among every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved, those who were being taken out of the normal story of life and transferred into this counter story that's 3D and amazing and mind-boggling and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And the Holy Spirit interrupted the status quo. 3,000 people from different languages, nations, tribes, get this, political parties, social statuses, economic backgrounds, um, people who are disabled and children and senior saints and all of these 
all people, right? This is a message for today, folks, that there is a new kind of normal we are to be living, and all people are welcome in this new kind of normal. The Holy Spirit entered into these 3,000 people, and suddenly the way that they interacted with people changed. Not because they were trying to be better, right, which was the old normal, but because the Holy Spirit in them flowed out of them. The old normal was gone and a new way of life had come. So, so this new normal didn't look like scattered people, devout from all kinds of nations, right? It looked like a gathered people who were devoted to the teachings of Christ, to gave freely of what they have, not because they were compelled to, but because they loved to. They couldn't wait to meet the needs of people. They suddenly didn't see Medes and Parthians as different. There was no um, Elamite group and Pamphylia group. There was a group of Holy Spirit-enabled believers from birth to whenever age ended, 3,000 people. And as they lived out this new gathered life, this new together life, this new Holy Spirit life, not the old normal, but the new way, people were added to their number day by day. The Holy Spirit is like a big old rock at the top of a hill, right? And it starts rolling and gains speed, right? So we gathered together here this morning, right? And we were brought from our scattered normals to be exposed to something completely different. This morning we heard Peter, not this Peter, but this Peter, his sermon, the first sermon, the first sermon that God said needs to be preached. The very first sermon in the church that the Holy Spirit said, these words need to be the first words that are heard. These words need to be the first sermon, and from this sermon, 3,000 people will get saved. You've heard the gospel this morning, that Jesus Christ was foretold by the Old Testament, that he came and that he lived and that he died, but he didn't stay dead. He lives again and right now is ruling and reigning from the right hand of God, and one day he will crush all of his enemies beneath his feet, kick his feet up on him and sit back and say, yeah, right? And he invites you into the kind of life that is victorious. The kind of life that isn't status quo. The kind of life that isn't normal. The kind of life that runs contrary to normal. Normal says, I'm busy. I've got this to do and this to do and this to do. And I'll go to church because I'm devout. And I'll find time to go to small group because that's what they want me to do. But if I'm busy or something else comes up, I might have to push that aside a little bit. Normal says, I do it because it's what I do. The new way of life, the Holy Spirit-enabled way of life, is not something you do, it's something God does in you, and then together, it's something that God does in us. And when we leave from this place today, we might be being scattered to our places, but we are not scattered in spirit. We are united in spirit, bound together by the bond of brotherhood in Jesus Christ, right? So there's no more going back to the old life. We cannot get stuck in the old normal. We have been freed from that to live counter to the way the rest of the world lives. To speak life 
and love through our actions. They did not go back to old normal. They gathered together and learned to live in peace and harmony and unity, extending grace and giving resources away just because someone needed it. They lived a full life from morning to bedtime dedicated to what the Holy Spirit would have them do. Now, we can do that. We can do that while we go to work. We can do that while we take the kids to school. We can do that when we're at the grocery store. You want to know why? It's not something that we check mark. It's something that we give ourselves over to. It's the Holy Spirit that we say, come and fill us and then do with us as you will. This is just simply let the Holy Spirit work in your life. A new kind of life. And he drew you here this morning away from your normal life, away from your scattered emotions and scattered thoughts and bills that need to be paid and the chaos of every day. He drew you to hear the good news that Jesus Christ loves you, died for your sins, rose again, and calls you to live a life after him. He drew you even more so to be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. And there may be some of you that have lived a life that is devout, but you have not really experienced that kind of thing you read about in Acts and you think that was a one-time occurrence. Well, it happens several times in Acts, by the way, that the Holy Spirit comes and fills people. It's amazing. There's like Pentecost A and Pentecost B and Pentecost C, and it's phenomenal, right? Well, guess what? This could be the day for you. This could be the day that you say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome, not just in this building where I happen to be, but in my life. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I repent of my sins, and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that my life doesn't look like the rest of the world's. My life looks like the life of your body, the life of the church, the one that affects change in the lives of those around me by your power. So, this morning, Peter's sermon in the Bible says, if you've heard the gospel, then the question should be, what do I do? If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day, right? Because it is good to love Jesus. It's even better to be loved by him. He is amazing. Now, life won't always be easy as a Christian, right? Because we still got, like, bills to pay and cars break down and stuff like that. But with God by your side, you plus Jesus is bigger than anything you're going to run into, right? And you plus Jesus and the extended fellowship of Christ's body, yeah, you got this covered. We are here with you. So this morning, perhaps... Repenting of your sins and trusting Christ for the first time is where it's at. Um, But for those of us that this passage is speaking to, the devout ones that gather together once a week, we need the Holy Spirit, people. Like, we don't just need to say, wouldn't it be great if, or I felt so good about that song, but wouldn't it be great to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? That he is enabling you to do ministry and service. And it's not something that you think, what can I do to be a better Christian? But it's something that God says, oh, I can't wait to do this. And you automatically follow. Like like when my wife is cooking bacon and I smell it in the kitchen and I'm like, mmm, right? That's the kind of thing that God does for us. When you, you follow the smell of the Holy Spirit and you're like, I want to go where that goes. I want to do what that's doing. I can't wait to do that. I will give myself to that. This morning is a morning of surrender, that we might give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit who is here, that he might fill us afresh, that we might live a new normal out there for the sake of the world that does not yet know Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer. 
team's going to come and uh, lead us in a time of uh, worship. And, uh, and this might be a really good time to come and pray. You know, maybe you and Jesus have to do some talking this morning. It might be that you've got sin you need to confess. That's okay. That's, this is a great place to do that. Nobody's ever going to judge you for coming to the altar and praying. We're not even going to think that you're coming here to pray because you've got a horrible sin in your life that you've got to confess. You might be coming here to intercede for your family who doesn't yet know Jesus. You might be coming here to say, man, I love you, God, but I could, I could be more if I could just have your Holy Spirit among me. I want you to sanctify me this morning, Lord. I want you to make me holy. I want you to set me apart. I want to know what it is you'd love me to do, and I will go there and do that with you. You might just come and say, Jesus, I want more of you. More Jesus this morning. There's a lot of ways to respond to the gospel this morning. The gospel is just the good news that God loves you and invites you into his story. How this morning is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe you take some time and pray before you actually sing the words. Lord, Holy Spirit, you're welcome among us this morning. You were here before we got here. It's not like we're inviting you to something you weren't already at. You were the one who called us here. So it's a little presumptuous of us to say we invite you here, but sometimes we actually need to say with our own hearts and minds, not just that we are okay with you being here, but that we are actually inviting you. You don't force your way into our life. You woo us. And so, Lord, this morning, may there be a beautiful romance between your heart and ours. May you speak to us in soft ways, and may you draw us into your presence, and may we fall before you in our heart, in our mind, maybe physically, and say, I need you to make me new. I need to be forgiven of sin. I need your Holy Spirit to guide me and so that my decisions that I make would be glory and honor to you. Maybe you just need to know that God loves you this morning, and he does. All it takes is a look in his direction. You just glance in his direction and he will run to you. He will wrap you up and love you and confirm that love. As we sing praises to you, Father, would you receive them from glad and joyful hearts? Would you receive all that we are because right now that's all we have to give you? And would you help us see a new way of life with you? It's not checklists and devout ways of doing things, but it is freedom according to your spirit. Give you all the honor and glory for what you've done already in this room today, and what we trust you will continue to work out for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.